Did everybody do their homework? Homework. Well, I had to fill in last minute for The Economist's interview position. So not only did I have to bail on a work meeting on my last ever full week of work. <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. I am the Money Mechanic. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for joining us again. I have my two favorite jack wagons with me again. The Economist. Sorry, I wasn't listening. What? <laughs> I, I noticed you tweeted that out that you don't listen to me. So, uh, yes. yes, yes, yes. Here we are. Let's get down to the official business before we get into the exciting topic of part two ETFs. This gentleman, check this out. Look at this. Look at what we got here. This, this is epic. 88. Yeah, it's 88. So this is from, well, first of all, this is from Jeremy. Shout out. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm very excited about this. Jeremy was the Steamworks prize pack winner, and he was awesome enough to get us some Calgary beverages. So this is from 88brewing.ca, which is in Calgary, Alberta. And this is the, uh, what the heck is it called? It's Ring the Ring Pop. Pop. Oh, that's what it's called. Okay. It's Ring Pop, double dry hopped hazy IPA. Pinkies up. It's a 7.2% bomber. This thing is think he's up. This can is fantastic. Yeah, so 88 brewing, I just uh, I pulled up. I don't I you know what? I didn't even oh. get a blurb on this beer. There's no blurb on the can, but 88 brewing was started in 2018 and of course in the spirit of the 1988 Calgary or Canadian or the Winter Olympics in 1988 which was in Calgary, right? Yeah. So that's tasty. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's I, haven't, good. I haven't even got this into the glass yet. Quick, uh, talk talk amongst yourselves. It's delicious. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's really uh, smooth. It is. I like smooth. Like not much of a bite. Very nice. I can't bring myself to pour it out of the can because I like the can so much. It's a nice can. It, no, it's, it's a, a good nice thing can. we talk about money because, to be honest, our brew, like our beer analysis, is horrible. Not that good. <laughs> also, I mean, we'll drink anything. So mm. all beer is good. It's just that some beer is better. Some than beer others. is better than others. Yeah, yeah. This, this has a good nose. This to it, is though. one of those. This has the good nose. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, we'll have to. We'll throw it into a. Well, obviously, it's going to be in the show notes because that's basically your guys' only job is to do show notes. So I'm sure you'll put in some good information about this beer, like maybe the uh, the blurb. But anyway, we we digress and we will continue. So cheers. Thanks, Jeremy. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Should we tease that there is another Steamworks prize pack coming? No, because you just did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Check. That's spoiler, been done. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well played to our only official beer sponsor. Yeah. They're getting more sponsorship by like teasing it out <laughs> episodes yeah. before. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. That, that's how Listen, good we are we to know, our sponsors. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a marketer. I'm an accountant as it, <laughs> right? Don't yeah. not let's no. come on. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it yeah, never mind. Moving right along. We did an episode uh several episodes back about the ETFs that we did a little bit of research on for Canadian markets and there's a part 2 to that, right? There's a part 2. We can't just invest in Canada. We most of us are guilty of home country bias as it is. So the part two we figured we should dig into being the uh, opinion only fun entertainment enter purposes yeah, only infotainment yeah. show right so part yeah. part two is U.S. ETFs uh, it is going to be international developed and it's going to be emerging so we should note that these are all still Canadian listed. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Thanks for that. So before you start shouting at your radio saying, I'm doing Norbit's Gambit and I'm go, I'm in VTI. It's like, that's fine. We get it. We get it. That's fine. There's another discussion to be had when you want to get into super optimization and saving some withholding taxes because you're in your TFSA or whatnot. We're not talking about is, that right now. Is that part three? I don't know if there's going to be a part three. Okay. <laughs> what, what, is, what is an ETF anyhow? Well, that's a good question. Why don't you lead with that, economist? <laughs> Perfect timing just, just as, as he drinks a beer. I'm, I'm supposed to answer my own questions now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a listener question that you got. So, yes. <laughs> well, it's an exchange traded fund, is, is what it stands for, right? And it is a group, it's a, a fund 
filled with stocks that is traded on a mar- on a stock exchange. Is it any deeper than that? It doesn't really need to be. I I was I tuned you out completely, and I was just thinking, man, I could send my wife over there to do some graffiti on that wall behind you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that would I, be good. I didn't. It's too light out. We got springtime now, <laughs> so uh, I don't get my dark background anymore. Might have to go back to the wheelbarrow cash. <laughs> yeah, we could totally go. You, we generally don't go back to basics enough on this show, and and our apologies to the listeners. Uh, it's not that we are experts or that we think you're experts, but <laughs> we have enough trouble focusing on the content that we're focusing yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, they're like a, a cheap mutual fund, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why they were created. But but they're traded like a regular stock would be traded on an exchange. Right. And and you're gonna as a DIY investor, you're just gonna hold it in your chosen brokerage account, and you're gonna just buy regularly and and really not give it a whole lot of thought, right? I mean, I used TD E series funds before, which are mutual funds that offers the very similar product line to an index. You know, and I hate when people call it index ETFs when an ETF. Yeah. The index is what the mutual fund or an ETF can hold. Yeah. Yeah. So our chosen topics tonight are, as I mentioned, the US, international, and emerging. And I think I I thought I got to pick first this time, but somehow I ended up with emerging. You literally chose emerging. Yeah. I, was try- first. I was trying to be nice to you guys. I thought it'd be interesting, <laughs> and then I realized that it's not It's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll save my part. I, I, I went first last time. I'm not going first again this time. The accountant, you get to start. Okay. Yeah, you can go last. Yes. All right. So uh, I went, I was in charge of looking at US funds. In um, charge. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Um, so I looked at VUN, which is the Vanguard US total market ETF. ITOT, which is the iShares Total US Market ETF. And then to switch it up, I went with ZUE, which is the BMO US Total Market Hedge to Canadian ETF. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes, park the bus. What are you doing going off script? So this is why I went off script. Everybody else that offers US ETFs in Canada generally has an S&P or some other tilt that isn't just the total U.S. market. Hmm. Okay. So that's why I did it. Cool. Well, let's hear about, uh, run us through what you found of those three that you picked. So the VUN and ITOT, um, actually drastically different in terms of percentages, MER. So VUN has a 0.16% management expense ratio, whereas ITOT has a 0.03% 0.03% management oh, wow. expense ratio, ratio. Still real small, but pretty different in terms of percentage. And then it's 0.09 for ZUE. VUN holds 3,605 different securities. ITOT holds 3,627. So that's um, the same. So that's pretty much the same. ZUE only holds 506. The five-year performance, which is very strange because of how much higher the management expense ratio is for VUN, is VUN's five-year return is fifteen fifty-six annualized, ITOT is fifteen thirty-six annualized, and ZUE is fourteen point nine five percent annualized. Hmm. I wonder if they changed the fee at some point, like either one of them. I I didn't look into that, yeah. but when you look at it, like your performance is very similar, your yield is very similar, your top 10 holdings are for VUN, it's 21.5% of the port, 0.52%, and for ITOT, it's 21.5%. Really, the only difference, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what's are the top 10 holdings very similar amongst all three of them? They're identical. Okay. Literally identical in all of them. The only difference is, I mean, it's it's so small it doesn't matter in between VUN and ITOT. I think that was two drinks in a row yeah. with that means there. Oh, oh, there you go. Here's here's um the the BMO one. What's the management expense ratio? Decimal zero nine percent. That's so it's in the middle. Pretty low. Yeah, 
Almost exactly. All those, but its top 10 holdings are 26.77%. Right, and it has way fewer holdings. Way fewer holdings. Like a sixth or something. Yeah. The only real difference is that VUN to ITOT has a higher percentage in consumer discretionary and industrials, whereas ITOT has a higher percentage in telco. Other than that, they're really not different. Now, what about the the, the top 10 holdings are the same, but as yeah. far as the rest of the US market, it's a huge market, right? So are you getting enough representation from... Uh, the tech sector, like uh, just taking sectors as a whole, are you getting the equal amount of representation in all of them? So tech, just because of the way the U.S. is structured, is uh, 26.2 for VUN and 25.43 for ITOT. So pretty similar. Pretty similar. Um, healthcare is 13.3 and 13.37. Financials are 11.3, 11.8. Uh, I mean... There's really almost no difference between these two. Drink. And why? Why is uh, cheers? <laughs> um, why is the BMO ETF have fewer holdings? Is it just large or just mid or? No, it just says BMO US Equity hedged. Hmm. And um, what's the hedge mean? Yeah, good question. It means it's hedged back to Canadian dollars, so you're not having the same fluctuations based on the change in the dollar trade between Canadian and USD. So basically it if the US market goes up x percent your ETF goes up x percent in Canadian dollars. Yeah. Now we haven't dug into this before, but for example with the Vanguard ones you can find the majority of their ETFs are offered as Canadian or Canadian hedged. Yeah. What do I pick? I always just pick Canadian. Me too. Economist, mm-hmm. was there any reason? I it might be because we read it somewhere once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this that's probably exactly why. This is a perfect time for me. It'll be in the show notes, and you guys are totally screwed on having to find that now. <laughs> yeah, it won't be in the show notes it unless we come up with notes. it here. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I I'm pretty sure I read it too. It it's one of those sort of hyper optimization type things that if you're really worried about currency risk, that you know you may you may want that, but Basically, it's, I don't know, I, I've read that don't bother, right? And again, I think this all comes back to so many conversations we have is like, is it going to move the needle, right? Yeah. For the amount of time or effort or, you know, exposing yourself to currency risk. Does it matter? You're spending in Canadian dollars, you're invested in a Canadian ETF. I don't keep it simple. And that's, so what I found when I was looking at a lot of these is a lot of what says it is US fund ETFs is really just an S&P 500 fund. Right. It's not actually the total US market. It's the US S&P 500. Is that true of of uh, the Vanguard and the... Well, Vanguard has an S&P 500 fund. But you but, found the total market. Yeah, but this That's is why the it total has 3, market. That's why it's got right. 3,600 shares and yeah. not 500. Right. Well, I think that's an important consideration because I see it all the time that people are like, just go VFE, 100% S&P. That's all you need, right? So just throwing that out there, VFE is the Vanguard 100% S&P ETF. Exactly. So we're not talking about here, but I know it I know it by name because people spit it out all the time. Right. That's fine if you just want to choose the S&P. But the idea here that we're building an individual ETF portfolio is that you want the total market, right? Yeah. That's kind of our goal here. We're breaking out from an all-in-one fund and we're choosing the individual ones. So let's not get too far off the rails into like, well, then pick an S&P one. And then what are you going to pick for the rest of the US market? You're going to pick VUN or ITOT. Now, here's a question for you because I know this came up on, I've had a discussion with Fire We Go, our friends, bloggers out in Ontario, that they use ITOT because the actual cost of that is lower, like the the share value is lower, so they can drip it faster. Do you think there's any value in that? Does that matter? Again, I think that's such a small consideration that you're really not going to see a big difference. I mean, we've all know what the US market's done recently. (laughs) And uh, it's, do we have high expected returns? For the U.S. market in the next little while, probably not because of how well it's done. 
Well, but you're getting away from the point here. The point is, the, no. no, no, listen. The point is, is that what does VUN cost? 0.16%. No, no, no. no, no. It's, what's oh, its share uh, price? Share. 72 bucks Okay, or so 72. What's ITOT? It's more like 20 something, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. So the point is, is you can have two and a half times as many shares. And when you get your, like, how do they pay? Do they pay monthly or quarterly? Are they all semi-annually? They're all quarterly. So when you get your quarterly dividend or your distribution, we should call it more appropriately, you get your distribution, you're going to get two and a half times as many ITOT shares as you are VUN. Does, see, does, the, excuse me, does that matter? Well, that doesn't matter. But what matters is not only when you get your, your distribution, but also when you put your contribution in you're going to have a higher percentage of your money at work, maybe by just a little bit, but you're never going to have $60 waiting to buy another share if you're an ITO. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of where I'm getting at here is that, you know, in my quest trade account where I hold these kind of ETS, I don't set it have, I don't have it set up to drip because it's free to buy. So when that mm-hmm. dividend comes in, you know, I just reallocate it and buy again, right? Because if you drip, which is great, you're usually left with some cash sitting on the sidelines. And mm-hmm. if you're paying no, but I'm, you do in your way too. Yeah, you know, you to, well, you do, but I also have way too many holdings. So I'm like, "Oh, there's a $14 one I can throw." <laughs> I can throw a share. At. I know, shake your head. Go ahead. It's fine. But I'm trying to get to a point here is that the, at the end of the day, we probably agree that the total return is what matters. But from an investor psychology point of view, does ITOT make more sense? Because I feel like those shares are compounding and earning money at a higher rate, even though they're technically not. Thoughts? It's not going to move the needle. So it's personal preference. Yeah. It's totally just your own psychology and knowing your own psychology. It, I mean, it, it's slightly more efficient, but so slightly that it's not yeah. worth worrying about. Yeah. And and I liked your comment there, economist, is like it's more of your money is at work right away. There's less on the side. But it's a tiny percentage of your portfolio. So tiny. So what's what's the winner? Do we pick? Are we just throwing out options or do you okay, do you hold any of these? I own VUN. I have the worst answer ever because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I too many. I'm like i don't I'm like, know like oh i think uh, clearly my prep work for your side of the show wasn't uh, that good but yeah it's funny what do i hold for a u.s one well i don't you don't hold any of them no so how do you uh how do you invest in the u.s uh same way what is it esg xaw no esg funds okay he's doing all the let's see well see we're not even including oh we're right not even including the ESG ETFs that are available into this. I forgot that the economist was socially responsible and I'm not. <laughs> I'm over here leaving money on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. I, I think it's important to take a big slice of the American market and it's a huge market. So we need to be in it for sure, right? It's the biggest economy in the world right now. You got to own it. You can't go wrong with either. They've had fantastic returns. Wait, isn't China the biggest economy in the world? Depends if you believe what they're putting out or not. Ooh, this is for entertainment purposes <laughs> and is our opinion. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure I own VUN, but I'm going to have to go check now because I totally didn't even <laughs> think about it. But you know, either be, way, for your US component, you can't go wrong. To be perfectly honest, the reason why I, I'm not sure and it's not on the top of my mind is because I definitely haven't bought it for a long time because I've been focusing more on XAW, which is an all world X North America one. And I've been X Canada. Yeah, X. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, X Canada. So that gets me US. <laughs> Thank you for the correction. And also picking up more XEQT, right? Like just going full equity everywhere type thing, right? So I'm not- That's the world? That's, yeah, that's the all-in-one. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not picking VUN specifically anymore. Or v- But uh, you have a bunch of them, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, because he has to have one of everything. Exactly, at least. All right, at least. Well, I don't have those three you mentioned, so moving right along to the, the, mo- the second most exciting presentation. No, no, this is the least exciting. <laughs> Developed. Developed. <laughs> develop world markets <laughs> yeah you get so much japan in there that it can't be exciting <laughs> is it just all japan <laughs> no it's not that bad so i looked at viu and xef as my main ones 
Uh, those are the ticker symbols. So VIU is Vanguard and XCF is iShares. Right, BlackRock. Yeah. And they both have a 0.22% fee management expense ratio. Japan's about 25%, and the UK is about 15%. And then it goes, you know, then there's a drop off to everyone else. Everything else in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. With a tiny bit of Australia and a tiny bit of Southeast Asia, I guess, sprinkled in. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the differentiating uh, component was the Vanguard VIU has 3,700 holdings and XEF only has 2,600. So that's not nothing. It's not nothing. And it's so hard to tell, right? right? <laughs> it's so hard to tell. It's 1,100. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that 1,100 holdings, again, we come back, do those move the needle in the fund? Like, are they just so right, small exactly. that they're irrelevant or? Yeah. But you get more, and if one takes off, who knows? I guess. Right? At a chance, you're yeah. holding the, the golden ticket if something right. takes off. Yeah. So is this just a coin flip? Well, it, I think you got to look at the the holdings. Okay. Did you look at historical makes... performance and see who's done better? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> past, Why would you do that? past performance is no indication of future performance. <laughs> He's got you there. It's true. Like, why do we always focus on the last 10 years and go, well, that one's obviously way better. I should own that one because <laughs> everybody that's ever gone to a bank shows you their mutual fund that's done really well for the last 10 years, right? It's like, yeah. And then exactly. next year it doesn't exist anymore. No, right. That, that's fair. What about, uh, what about yield? Do they uh, comparable? Uh, I didn't look. Did you do any research? Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll tell you the yield. It's right here. Jeez, Louise. It's not for me. <laughs> it's for the fans. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yield. Count. Do you hold either of these? Uh, I hold a little VIU. That was back from the days when I was building my own and not just going with XAW, which is what I do now. Yeah. Yeah, I was VIU as well, for sure. Yeah. And so I'm like I'm like you, I don't sell anything. Yeah. So there's a bunch <laughs> of stuff sitting around, yeah. but essentially all I do is I pick Canadian stuff now and then I just buy XAW to cover the rest of the world. Well, and that's the end of the show for tonight, folks. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> so BlackRock was uh 1.64% and the Vanguard yield is probably pretty similar, right? <laughs> sure i'll I'll buy that for uh, a sip of your beer v vanguard doesn't uh, advertise their yield apparently uh never mind <laughs> uh um, can't wait to give you the report card on this but <laughs> we're so good at this no but you didn't let me get to the interesting part i'll get on with it okay so i also looked at uh bmo and they have zea which is essentially an 800 sh a holding version of the the other two but they also have an interesting one called ZLI which is a large cap low volatility ETF mm -hmm. and it only has 102 holdings mm -hmm. yeah it has a more even uh, distribution or at least uh, Japan's only 17% and then France and Germany are both about 16% and the UK is 10%, but they charge twice as much on the MER. What's, uh, has it, did you look if it has or has not been volatile? <laughs> no. <laughs> did, does it live up to its name? No, nope. did not. Well, but they have a formula to, <laughs> to make sure that it lives up to its name, at least looking backwards. Well, that formula is pretty simple. It's only invest in the, the top companies in those countries so that it doesn't move as much, right? It's the same. It's had, it's had low volatility. It's had low volatility. Yeah, exactly. And we talked a little bit about this on the Canadian one because there's the Canadian low volatility index too, which it looks a whole lot like one of the dividend ETFs that we've talked about in the past as well. But it's it just gets rid of all the noise from those smaller cap companies that create some of that you know, that volatility and stuff. Right. So it's like, I don't know. Do you, I think you kind of want more exposure in my, my personal opinion. Yeah. Me too. I want more exposure. I, I would want more exposure as well. And I guess maybe this comes down to your, where you are in your investing journey, right? Near the beginning, you want the volatility because that's going to give you the upside, but closer to the end, you're going to want the low volatility that gives you more, um, 
protection on your existing assets, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're dollar cost averaging, volatility is your friend. Cheers. (laughs) You totally forgot how to not say, I mean. (laughs) I did. Yes, you did. That is correct. Yeah. And I think the developed one or... now, I was going to ask you, do any of the f- those funds actually have Canada in them? Or they're developed, ex- no. they're ex-Canada funds, they're, right? They're, they're ex-North America. Ex-North America, okay. Yeah. Which is... And uh, just to answer your previous question, the Vanguard, so it's 1.6% for the uh, BlackRock. Vanguard's 2.3. And the low volatility is 2.6% okay. yields. So again, it might come down to, depending where you are in your journey, if you are focusing more on cash flow, you might want to hold something different, right? Right. Yeah, no, I was was just trying to think here that if I was in Great Britain right now and I picked a international developed ex-Great Britain and let's throw the US out of there, what would Canada represent in that ETF there? Like similar to Australia, right? Probably. Which is way down the list. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think about. And it kind of should give us pause as Canadians to look at our home bias and be be okay with it. I mean, it it is what it is. But if we were in this fund and we were Australians or in the UK right now, how little we would represent and how little you'd actually have invested in Canada if you were just in an ETF in Great Britain that had Canada in it. It's kind of yeah. crazy to think about, don't you think? It is. At the same time, though, our entire lives are invested here. But you could move. Sure, I have absolutely no plans of doing that. So that I think that's important, right? I think that's an important distinction. If you might move, then maybe your exposure to Canada should be lower. Well, had an interesting Twitter discussion a while back with somebody in the fire community that lives in Great Britain. And it was interesting to just kind of compare back of the napkin notes about what their home bias is and what my home bias is. And it was, I'm sure it's the same everywhere you go, but they're like, oh, I'm like 30% in UK. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm less than 5% in the UK. But yet I, I have dual citizenship. I could move to the UK. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hmm, I have nothing invested here. So this mm-hmm. whole like developed section of people's portfolio, I think it deserves a little bit of thought and just at least the understanding that you may be underrepresented in a lot of other fairly large developed economies in the world, right? Well, you're not necessarily underrepresented, especially if you do a not necessarily a developed ex-North America, but if you do a world fund or a developed ex-Canada, you won't be underrepresented. I agree with that. If you're Except to the extent that you're overrepresented in Canada. Yeah. But if you're going to be picking your own ETFs and you're picking VIU or what yeah. was the other one? XIU? Is that the other one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're picking those. XEF. XEF. Uh, think about that, right? From from your proportion of what you choose to hold in that. If you're, if you you're And if you're thinking of moving to another country, maybe think of getting an ETF that just focuses on that country if it's available. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's food for thought, right? I mean, these are we're we're all sort of egocentric and we think of as Canadians as Canadian investors and sometimes it's good to think outside of our own ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you saved the best presentation for the last. Oh, I can't wait. What do you got? Or since we never listen to them anyway, should we just call it? Yeah, well, let's have a nap. Okay. Uh, right. Well, emerging <laughs> markets. Let me pull up my spreadsheet that never got done. I thought you didn't know how to use spreadsheets. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But okay. unlike you, Jackwagons, I actually have a couple of resources that will be in the show notes. So I have one from wealthawesome.com, which came out, or I should say it was updated December 28th, 2020. And it is called the five best emerging market ETFs in Canada. Oh sure, he he does five. He tells us to stick to three. I'm I'm, I'm telling I'm going to get to Jeez, three. I'm just telling you that I've got some resources <laughs> that is useful for our fan base here. The other one is from the Global Mail, which is unusual because I don't usually use the Global Mail, but somehow I got past their paywall, and it is called Six Emerging Market ETS for Investors Seeking Global Diversification. That was summer last year, 2020. So I've got those and. 
even better. This is even better. My Twitter poll came through for me this time. Oh, you did a Twitter poll? Of course. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is the best is because you gave me such a hard time last time when I was like, well, 80% of the responses. And you're like, what, you got five responses? <laughs> <laughs> how many do you get? How many responses? Well, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you that 60. 60- no, you have to tell us the number of responses. <laughs> let me just, let me just, hey, my presentation. I was polite to you guys. <laughs> All right, so let's just let me just get in. That was your first mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was not a good idea. <laughs> so tell us about the poll. I liked it when you were napping better than this. <laughs> yeah. I got sixty-eight point eight percent that are using VEE, which is the Vanguard Emerging Fund. So there you go. Not a round number. I had more than five or ten <laughs> votes. Thirteen, but, uh, I think. Right? Yeah, sixteen. Oh darn! <laughs> I was trying to do quick math in my head. So I did choose three, and they're no surprise to anybody. Same as you guys did. It's the Vanguard, the iShares, and the BMO. So it is VEE. And of course, (laughs) the funny thing is I'm using the Vanguard uh, tool to compare them, and it's taken away the tickers. (laughs) 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 The ticker's gone. What's this fun called? (laughs) No, we know it's, uh, it's VEE. XEC is the iShares. And I went with the... BMO, which is Z-E-M. And to be perfectly honest, and this comes as no surprise, that the basic metrics are the same. Like the MER, which is the management expense ratio, is uh, the lowest is 0.24 with Vanguard, and the highest is 0.27. And if you're sweating 0.03, you got bigger. Good on you. You got bigger fish to fry, right? (laughs) Um, You know, one of the questions that came up just well, let me finish what I'm talking about here first. So uh, they've got a, a trailing yield that's all pretty comparable, around 1.5. They have basically, like basically, the same top 10 holdings. And I think we're coming back to the exact same thing we talked about on part one: is that the whole idea is the, these are index funds. They should be tracking the same things because that's what matters. The only thing that matters to us is whether there's some sort of slight difference where we want to, you know, capitalize on, but really is there i mean this one i went through like the materials and their holdings and please it was a comment in the last show about ets and i'll reiterate it that the vanguard canada has this tool where you can put these funds side by side and just scroll through it and you know you can really get into the uh, nerding out on it and th- one of the big differences i noticed is the iShares fund is 35 percent in china and the vanguard one is 43 percent. i'm not looking at my camera more are you sleeping or are you paying attention Oh, you're paying attention. Oh, that's good. Right, right here. here I am on my own. Off on my own. So, ten percent difference. That might actually make a difference in performance. Yeah. Right. And then again, the thing with emerging markets is we're talking about China, Taiwan, India, and Brazil, and maybe some South Africa. They're like the major components of these funds. And then everything after that really sort of drops off down into very small percentages. So you're not going to see much. Uh, much influence in their their price or their value at all, right? So, so how much tontine exposure do you get in an emerging market fund? I thought you had to finish your drink when you said that. <laughs> I'm not finishing my drink. I didn't say it. I know the guy that says it has to finish his drink. <sighs> wow. I guess that's strong. I beer. guess we need to go to the beer fridge for finish <laughs> this episode. <laughs> all right, I'll finish. My presentation, since we've been rudely interrupted by a beer fridge break. All right. Before I get to finish my presentation, since you said the word, the T word, and had to finish your beverages, and we had to run to the beer fridge so we could finish this episode. I'm just here for those playing along. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) everyone, Everyone at home's like... Yeah, it's only like halfway through a beer. <laughs> I had to put I had to put my beer in the fridge because I wasn't finished. I didn't. I'm not going to slam my beer because that. I think it's only the person that says it. No. Anyway, that's not how you play a drinking uh, that, game. Yeah. No. Not anyway. this drinking game. All right. So I did actually. I had to. <laughs> I had to go and. Okay. Let me uh, let me tell the whole story here. This was the least frugal purchase of the week, boys. <laughs> uh, the wife said. Hey, can you have a look for some Fuggles and Warlock, the last strawberry? I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, you know, probably pick up a couple beers for the weekend. I'll have a look. So I found it. 
luckily, in our local store. And it's some pretty good artwork on the can here for the YouTubers. It's a strawberry wit beer. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, the hardest thing now is in like these cold beer and wine stores. You don't know if they're adding in tax and deposit and chill fee and all the rest of it on their sticker price on the shelf because you need like a magnifying glass. I need a magnifying glass. Anyway, I get up to the counter. I've got a six pack of this stuff and it's like $18.50 for a six pack. And I'm like, I realize we haven't been spending any money in the bar, but holy crap, <laughs> that's an expensive six pack. So that's aggressive. Yeah. She has. A five pack now. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. And there's a lot of strawberry going on here. What did you dig out of the fridge for your second half? The old, old faithful Steamworks Lionsgate Lager. There nice. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's honestly so affordable that I can't not buy it every time I see it in the liquor store. It's $17.99 on sale right now for a 12 pack. Can't I argue. can't not buy it. I have can't, to buy it. Can't argue. That's that's four hundred dollars worth of advertising right there. <laughs> and Pretty cool. you ran out of beer, so you switched to whiskey. I'm on bourbon. Bourbon, nice. Yeah, yeah. well played. Booker. Well played. Bookers. Oh, yeah. oh Bookers. She's nice. Amazing. Well, uh, we if well, never mind. I'm not even going to tell. Let me finish the end of my presentation, which uh, <laughs> there's not there's not a whole lot to go, unfortunately, because again, it's like. I want to have exposure to emerging markets, but I don't know anything about emerging markets. I honestly don't. I've worked in South America where there's emerging markets and there's very important businesses. There's very important industries happening in the emerging markets, but I know nothing about it. I know nothing about India. I know nothing about China from a business sense, and I would never be able to pick individually or And I think that's what I will bring up here towards the end is there are some more niche type ETFs out there that, you know, try and get into like these tilts towards, uh, you know, tech and emerging market and and things like that. And, And I just don't know enough about it. I know I want it in my portfolio. So I'm happy to stick with tried and true Vanguard or iShares ETFs. They're super low cost. They're giving me the maximum number of holdings. Performance is going to be, you know, negligible difference. So if you're building your own ETF portfolio, just like we found out in the first of these two episodes is pick the ones you like, understand why you pick them. You're probably going to get into the same ballpark return-wise at the end of the day, right? And the ones that they threw in here that I came up with uh, is is like getting into where the heck did it go here it's uh, oh and the other thing too is i don't know if you guys you probably noticed it economist is that you're holding a developed fund that just holds a us etf of that developed fund anyway did you notice that no no okay never I mind didn't. then <laughs> no you're no yeah, so there's like there's this one where it's it's a 0.6% MER Crane Shares Emerging Market Consumer Technology ETF, right? Oh, this is your fancy niche one. Well, it just it just it comes up in this article that'll be in in the show notes, right? And it helps investors diversify into emerging markets and adds technology exposure, right? So they're trying to niche it down a little bit. And but once you're getting into a world of tilt, like, yeah, is I always wonder this is if you are doing enough research to start applying small cap or tech or whatever industry tilt you want to apply to your portfolio, are you not better off learning about some of the private lending we've talked about or some of the other streams and getting your further diversification and hopefully better returns that way as opposed to playing the tilting your portfolio one way or the other? We have talked enough that there's other assets out there that can generate you cash flow and high returns, right? It doesn't, you don't have to try and squeeze everything out of the index. And isn't the point of the index that you're setting it and forgetting it? It's a dry lemon. It's a lemon that's been squeezed, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the, there's very smart people in billion dollar firms that have picked 37 out of the 100 best companies and they're doing the work for you. You're just getting free trades and, and buying. Well, and no, they yeah. just buy the index. They yeah. don't actually do well, the work. Well, <laughs> so the index is you buy everything <laughs> on the index in proportion to how big the company is, right? That's the idea. Good point. Well, why don't you tell us what the MSCI is? 
Uh, go ahead. <laughs> since we're since we're on the answering answering our own questions train today. <laughs> He's got you there. Not it. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Like touche. Touche. Uh, I actually, you know, we did the research for this a little while ago. So, uh, but I think it is important to understand, as you mentioned, is so that we're just going to skip that. <laughs> no, I'm getting to it. I actually, okay. I just have to do a quick Google search. Back <laughs> <Okay>. off. <laughs> Just like I was watching you trying to search up your returns. So let me. <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember what the freaking acronym stands for. It's the Morgan Stanley uh, something index, right? What does the C stand for? Corporate index? Come on, help composite? me out. Composite? Come on. Composite? Yes, I think yeah, it's composite. It's be composite. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, this show is supposed to be so serious. <laughs> it's. it's- no, we're well, not. <laughs> well, yeah. okay. So the MSCI is Morgan Stanley Composite Index, which you're absolutely right, economists. They're the ones that create an index. They're the research company that creates an index. All these other investment companies just go, okay, that's what they just said was in the index. So that's what we're going to buy or proxy and then yeah. package it and sell it to us, the the retail investors. So we don't need to get any deeper than that, but it is good to just understand that that is the whole point oh, of interesting an fun fact. Oh, okay, please! The MSCI is the Morgan Stanley Capital International. Oh, not Composite Index. No, so, yeah, there you go. But actually, Composite what... Index wouldn't make any sense because then it's an index that creates indexes. Like then we're <laughs> inceptioning the index. That doesn't, of course not. You know that. A whole bunch of listeners out there have seen MSCI before and been like, oh, yeah, I know what that is, but I don't know what it is. So, yeah, yeah, and it, we exactly. just proved ourselves that we know what it is and we don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. But they're the people that make the index. They, they, they make, make the index. index. They do the research for what the index is supposed to be, technically. Yeah. Anyway, whew, this has got more strawberries in it than a strawberry patch in September. You mean than a strawberry pie? I couldn't come up with that. A strawberry I'm patch in September in has September zero. Would have no strawberries. <laughs> you guys are brutal. It's a good thing he's not a gardener. Yeah, that's been proven too. All right, so I do hold VEE and uh, full disclosure at the end of the episode here. Do you guys hold uh, an emerging market fund? Nope. Yeah, I don't not one it. of those ones. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so you've got the ESG emerging markets, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, maybe that's going to be part three is like digging back into this ESG, the economist. And we should, we should get a smart guy on for that one. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> when it all boils down here. Who cares? Yeah. Pick one. Pick one or just pick the all in one. Or, or the EQT. Yeah. So, I mean, is that really the question is, do you bother building your US, your emerging your develops, or do you just take an XAW or even just a XEQT or whatever it is and just call it a day? VCN XAW. Now, is the the EQT is it heavily weighted to Canada? It is, isn't it? Twenty. They're both. They're all. Yeah. Well, there's a few of them, but they're all around between twenty and twenty five percent. Yeah. So it's so, yep. better to do the X Canada, I guess. If you then you can. Then what do you want your weighting at? Yeah. Then you can <sighs> choose your weighting. Yeah, I think that's what this is. This The exercise here that we went through is holding an all-in-one fund gives you these five categories, right? And if you are if you accept their allocation, I know you're four. doing five. I'm like, four. Yeah, four. Well, there's some... Four. No, that's five. Four. U.S., Canada, developed... People can't see you count on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) What's the fifth? Yeah, it's Canada, U.S. emerging developed. Yeah, you're no. Never mind. I was thinking like V girl. They're throwing in the the fifth is the bond component, but yeah. Okay, so call it four. Um, I ain't got time for bonds. No bonds here. I know, I know, but it's you have to really want to try and split this up, and I mean. If you really want to break it up and get nuanced, then go for it. But it doesn't have to be that complicated, I think, is what it comes down to. And I think what else it comes down to is after we've gone through the exercise of looking at what's available, you're never going to go wrong. They're all close enough. Okay, so here's something. Okay. Going through the exercise of balancing out your portfolio, 
uh, with index funds, maybe it satisfies an itch to do something while not actually doing something. That's a fair point. That's a, that's a good way to look at right? it. Right. Yep. I It's like, ooh, I've got a little extra money. Some dividends came in. You go in there and you're like, which one of these four should I buy this week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you go, it doesn't matter. <laughs> buy something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Like, it, I'd love to hear some feedback from people that go, "No, I'm absolutely 100% using them separately because uh, it works for my portfolio." For these reasons, is why I get to choose because it's I've read it before, and it's hard to argue with the with the all in ones because it's just like they're there. They're they're holding most of these ones that we've talked about anyway, right? And it's like you're talking about. You're getting a lot of the same coverage. You're getting the same coverage. Said. And yeah. we're talking like the difference between Vanguard and BlackRock is there like each of these funds is like a million in market cap. I mean, it was brought up in a comment on our first episode was about liquidity. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have liquidity issues if you're dealing with the largest funds available to trade right. in the Canadian market, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's one for you, Money Mechanic, specifically. Great. So you did the um, emerging markets. And you said that one had China at 43 and the other at 35. Yeah. Just in the emerging markets in general, do you think like nationalization is a risk? That's where they take all the companies and... I know what nationalization is. Okay. (laughs) Well, maybe our (laughs) listeners don't. That's where they take all the companies and they make them the government's companies and they cut out all the shareholders. So you mean, is that a risk in China or do you think that's a risk in the United States? (laughs) <laughs> that's a great question <laughs> yeah. it's not a risk in the united states but oh really not this century gun-toting americans are not going to stand for them being cut out of <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. well okay i let's not let this I, it's a valid question but let's not get political on it because i yeah. think that it's a way too much of a political slant to that question and it's way out of my wheelhouse to be able to to really consider that, but it's it's fair that you say that, and but that wouldn't change how much exposure I'd want in that country because. I or mean, how about that in the emerging markets? Because that's how you're going to zero. In emerging well, markets, is nationalization? Could be. It's a way to go to zero, not it, the way. Yeah, it's it's a definitely uh, it's a it's a risk that exists, and I think you're served to understand that, and that's that again is not just like better understanding of complete global geopolitical risk right. when it comes to business, right? So. Yeah. That comes down to what emerging markets are. Yeah. That's why it's a small portion of your portfolio is they're emerging markets. They're not established yet. The regulations aren't there. The reporting's not there. You can look at a financial statements from a company from these places and you don't know if that's legit or not. Right. Yeah. Like one of the developed country indexes is called investable markets and it doesn't include emerging right because it's not investable right it's Uh, more speculative yeah yeah no that's fair i think we'll all agree to that for sure and and yeah you bring up a a valid point and we're never going to know right no well we will but it'll be too late (laughs) it'll be way too late yeah okay so let's uh let's end this off with the hardest question of all six six yeah that's the answer What allocation do you hold in U.S. funds account or U.S. funds, U.S. markets? Six. (laughs) (laughs) If if we were still recording in person, there'd be two slaps right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. He hasn't called us jack wagon, so nobody's got to drink. (laughs) He has like three times this episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you talking ballpark it? Ballpark it. What do you have? U.S. dollars or my U.S. exposure allocation? U.S. exposure allocation. My U.S. exposure allocation is around forty percent of my invested portfolio. Okay, economist. Yeah, about that. (laughs) No, seriously, it is. It's. I think I might be looking for fifty, but at forty. Yeah, I'm on the low side of that. I think I'm only thirty. I'm trying to build it up. Uh, Developed. Looking for 15. Not sure where I am. Okay, fair. Count? Uh, give me a second. I'm opening it. <laughs> oh, now we're opening it. Fine. Uh, developed is maybe 10. Now, this is where it gets a little tough, right? Because I use XAW, but I haven't broke. I'd have to break that out in inclusion with the VIU that I still hold. 
and this is just i'm just spitting this out for the end of the show here and I'm, we're not saying these are allocations anybody should subscribe to it's just ours right i'd like to be for developed i'd like to probably be around 10 to 15 as well i think that's appropriate yeah and are we so then basically the math works out to we're all thinking five percent emerging i am i'm three percent emerging see i'm okay with a little higher on emerging i have a lot of other risky <laughs> dumb things that i do so <laughs> yeah well i mean and this is Darn, I said it again. <laughs> See? It happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. I say it all the time. I know. I would we been polluted by the accountant. Mm-hmm. Why are you blaming me? This I is mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't it, like you. It's all gonna come down to uh hopefully information you find out for yourselves, not necessarily from our podcast, but it is a it is a discussion, and I think this discussion at least hopefully it's made me pause and go, huh. What do I hold? Where do I hold it? And even though I'm fairly on top of that, sometimes it's our bias and our psychology gets in the way of like, yeah, I'm not going to buy any more emerging markets or or whatnot, right? I'm kind of at the point where I look at it, I don't sweat too closely how close I'm tracking. I'll look at it and be like, well, that's really cheap right now. So I want to buy something that's on sale, right? The other one that I think we should address is if you're just starting out on investing in ETFs and getting money in the market, don't overthink this. Totally. Get your money in the market. You can figure it all out later, decide what your optimal portfolio is. If you want a you know 40% US exposure, 25%, whatever you decide, if you get all 40% US right now or all 40% Canadian right now or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You can adjust the rest later. Just get your, don't let it stop you investing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a great point because we we do tend to overanalyze and I think most people do, right? And it's like, just get it plugged in. Get it get in. It, get it doing something. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, that was uh, ETS part, part two and uh, I don't think there's going to be a part three. No? Well, I don't know. Depends. Do you... We're, we're all clearly not the best at research. We just did research twice. <laughs> and we got through both shows. Before we sign off, I have one last message to share. And did you guys, you probably haven't seen it yet, but a friend of the show and beer supplier is Mark Seed from My Own Advisor. He made it onto the panel for the Money Sense 2021 Top ETF Picks. Uh, cool. so yes, he did. Yeah, congrats for that, Mark. And Cheers. I... It just came out. You're by the time you hear this episode, you're probably three weeks late. So hopefully you've gone and checked out the Money Sense article about the top ETFs in Canada because that's what we've been talking all about. You can still do it now, even though it's three weeks later. It's yeah. still 2021, and it is a good list. They put it out every year, and it comes out. And Jonathan Chevro is the author, and he includes some uh, some great minds in Canada on this 52 ETFs they pick. So. It's good. There's Mark Seed, Dale's in there. The guys from Rational Reminder are in there. Yep. Ben Felix, Cameron Passmore in there too. Yeah. As well as, so uh, yeah, go check that out if you are curious about learning more about the ETFs that you're picking. So, And make sure you give Mark a hard time because he made a lot of really responsible choices. And I told him he should have just been all full gambles the whole way. Well, why didn't we get invited, guys? Next year. Were yeah, they not having beer yeah. or what? The panel was full. Yeah, we didn't bribe them with beer enough beer. Oh, okay. Oh, well, there you go. All right, boys. Nice chatting. Thanks, listeners, for joining the FI Garage. We will see you next time. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And We're on YouTube. Yeah, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe there, too. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Sure. Good night. Until next time. Good night. Good night.